dang it! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts-Jackson, and he scores! On the last play of the game, unbelievable! It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts, and they brought some guts. Is now in. What an NFL weekend it was. Four divisional games, four great games, four wild finishes. We will recap it all for you. Happy Monday to you. T.C. Martin Show, of course, streaming live, tcmartinshow.com, wherever you may be. As we get it on here on a manic Monday, if you're maybe a Buffalo Bills fan, a Green Bay Packers fan, Wow. Or a magnificent Monday if you're a Chiefs fan. Or if you had underdogs at the betting window on Saturday and Sunday. We've got all of that happening and a whole lot more coming your way on the show today as we recap a very busy and wild NFL divisional playoff weekend. Wow is the best word to describe it because it was totally phenomenal watching what we saw on Saturday and Sunday. And we talked about it all last week. We analyzed it. We handicapped it. That we were going to be in for a great football weekend. With the eight best teams facing off. Much different this time around than in years past. Because you only had the one team getting the bye the week before. And both of those bye teams. Number one seeds. Tennessee Titans. Green Bay Packers playing on Saturday. Gone and gone and done, and having some phenomenal playoff games that could have passed for either uh, you know, later round games or NFC or AFC championship games. Instead, we got them in the divisional round, and arguably it was the best football that we have ever seen before, the best football playoff weekend that we've ever witnessed, and it was fantastic. Plain simple. All right, we will recap all this today with our guests. Matt Holt will join us from U.S. Integrity. He joins us each and every Monday. Uh, we will get his thoughts not only about the games but from the sportsbook perspectives as well. Four games over the weekend, three of the four dogs cover, and you thought it was going to be a clean sweep for the dogs, but the Buffalo Bills just could not hang on in the final 13 seconds. Chiefs end up winning and getting the cover in that game. So we'll dive into that. We will go to Tampa Bay, hear from T.J. Reeves, part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast team, and we know how somber he is today. So we will relive one of the wildest finishes there as well, too, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing to the Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, gone, ousted, done, season over. And... Not to say, I told you so, but these playoffs, when we've been handicapping and been spot on on telling you what was going to happen here. And with the Rams and the Buccaneers game, it was just a bad matchup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams defensive line talked about it, going to give Brady fits, definitely did that. And it was all about Matt Stafford, 
call it redemption, call it whatever you want, stepping up big time, finding Cooper Cup repeatedly to the tune of 183 yards, the Bucks had no answer for that. So not a surprise, even though the Rams were a three-point underdog, we had talked about it, best bets, Rams, definitely the solid play. Oh, by the way, here we go, NFC West Championship coming up next week with the Niners and the Rams again. And oh, by the way, the Niners have only defeated the Rams six straight times. So great weekend, entertaining weekend, great television viewing, and uh, hopefully great betting for all of our listeners as well, too. Heidi Fang will join us a little bit later on in the program. We talked to Heidi as she was checking out all the playoff action as well, too. And we'll get an update regarding the Raiders because obviously we have to keep close eye on the Raiders as Mark Davis is interviewing candidates, continue to interview candidates for the head coaching position and the general manager vacancy with the Raiders. So a lot to hit and a lot to cover on the show. But let's talk about the weekend. Let's give you some highlights with the NFL divisional round. Four games, like we said, four wild finishes. All four games decided on the final play of the contest. Think about that. (laughs) That's never happened before. All four games ending on the final play of the game. The margins of victory in each game. Cincinnati wins by three. Game-ending field goal. San Francisco 49ers on the foot of Robbie Good as gold defeat the Green Bay Packers by three. We go to Sunday. We've got the wildness that transpired with the Rams and the Buccaneers. Ends on Matt Gay's foot. A field goal. Rams win by three. Three, three, and three. And then we get to the nightcap, the wildest of them all. The Chiefs coming from behind, not once, not twice, three times. Defeat the Buffalo Bills, winning in overtime by a touchdown on the final play of the game. Final spread there, six. Wildness at its finest. Both number one seeds lose on Saturday. Super Bowl champs gone on Sunday. And how did the weekend start? It started with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Cincinnati wins 19-16. Joe Burrow, 28 for 37, 348 yards. No touchdowns for Joe Burrow. But he did have an interception. And here is the wildest thing of maybe everything that we saw over the weekend. Joe Burrow was on his back constantly. Sacked nine times. We had talked about this on Friday, about Burrow being sacked over 50-plus times, over and over again. Sacked more than anybody else. Nine times in this game. Oh, and their team wins. He lost a total of 68 yards on those sacks. But you know who was the difference maker in this game? The difference maker was the rookie, the rookie kicker that basically was signed uh, you know, early on in the season, Evan McPherson, he had four field goals in this game. And who would have thought that it would come down to this to start the weekend off? Evan McPherson, a 52-yard field goal to send the Bucks into the AFC Championship game. 62-yard, sweeps the leg, McPherson. He's got it. Cincinnati wins. They are going to the AFC 
AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. 1988. There it was. The Bengals beat the Raiders last week in a thriller. They come back, go on the road, beat the number one seeded Titans, 19-16. And we know the Tennessee Titans were like a, a phony number one, right? We had talked about that last week. Yes, Derrick Henry was back. Derrick Henry looked rock solid. He was fine. But you know who was not solid was Ryan Tannehill. Three interceptions in this game. Mistakes cost Tennessee mightily in this game. But none worse than Tannehill, especially his last pass of the game, an interception. How about Tannehill? They get the ball to start the game. What happens? His first pass, picked off, deep in his own territory. Tannehill's first drive of the second half. His first pass of that, picked off. His last pass of the entire game, owned by the way the season, picked off. Three interceptions by Ryan Tannehill. Crazy game to start the weekend. And yes, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that we didn't think too much of during the course of the season. A team that beat the Raiders twice, once at Allegiant Stadium during the regular season, and then to kick off the playoffs, they fight hard. The Raiders fought hard, but the Bengals won that game, and now the Bengals are going to the AFC Championship game. All right, so we're on the edge of our seat. We have a low-scoring game with Cincinnati and Tennessee, and then we go to Lambeau Field on Saturday night where the Packers are playing the Niners. All the talk about this is going to be it. It's going to be revenge time for the Green Bay Packers to get back at the Niners for sending them home embarrassingly in 2019. It was a defensive-dominated game. Teams combined for nine sacks. Rodgers sacked five times. 263 yards. That was it. That was the offense, basically, for the Green Bay Packers. And this was unlike any other 49er-Packer game ever. Usually, these games between these two teams, whether they're playoff games or regular season games, and there are plenty of them, and Packer Niner fans know that these guys have have fought tooth and nail, dogfights in the past. They're usually filled with what? Not defense. They're filled with offense. But you know what this game was filled with? It was filled with Debo Samuel. Again, Debo making work. 44 reception yards, 39 rushing yards, 59 kickoff return yards. And then on the third and seven play, the final drive where the Niners got a chance to put this game away, what do they do? They run the ball to Debo Samuel, again, coming out of the backfield. Packers caught off guard. Samuel rumbles for about 15 on the play. Sets up Robbie good as gold again. 49ers have never led in this game. And this will be a 45-yard try by Robbie Gold to send the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Kick was down the middle and good! 49ers win it! Well, Joe Buck, you think it took you long enough to make that call to in between? 
I mean, there it is. I mean, I understand television. You want to draw it out. You want your let your eyes play it. But you could have done a little bit better job than that, Joe Buck. All right, a little anticlimactic when you play that back on the radio. But yes, it's Robbie Good as Gold again. Robbie Gold. You hear me talk about him all the time. This is a guy that has never missed a kick in the postseason. That's right. Never missed a field goal in postseason play. And you talk about kickers. People want to dismiss kickers. Don't ever dismiss a kicker. I don't care if it's regular season. I don't care if it's playoffs. Robbie Gold, money. Mason Crosby, miss. Ryan Suckup, miss. Matt Gay, miss. Randy Bullock, miss. Harrison Butker, miss. Not just field goal. Harrison Butker, miss extra point as well, too, this weekend. All huge misses in this game, in those games. But Robbie good as gold? No miss for Robbie. Bears, Niners, doesn't matter. Robbie good as gold. Sends the Packers home again. And you know what costs the Packers in this game? Special teams. Atrocious. And this has been a situation for the Green Bay Packers all season long. And Packer fans know this. The Niners blocked a field goal, blocked the Mason Crosby field goal. They blocked the punt there towards the end, and that was it. 49ers, special teams come up big. Green Bay Packers, not so much. 49ers D comes through again, holding Aaron Jones to only 41 yards. Green Bay Packers, 67 total rushing yards. Aaron Rodgers, 20 completions. 20 completions for 225 yards. The Niners rose to the occasion. And Aaron Rodgers, we're used to these type of press conferences, aren't we? Below 500 in playoff games now. Aaron Rodgers loses at Lambeau Field again. Here's Aaron Rodgers after the game on the disappointment. Yeah, I mean, a little little numb for sure. Didn't think it was going to end like this. Uh, you know, disappointed in the offense. Ten points, obviously not enough. A defense, man, played outstanding. Special teams obviously hurt us. Um, you know, taking points off the board, giving them points. But offensively, you know, scoring ten points, never good enough. Felt good about the first drive, went down, right down, scored. You know, had a good drive going, second drive, fourth turnover. And then just didn't put a whole lot together uh, after that. All right, Aaron Rodgers after the game. And, of course, a somber attitude we've seen time and time again. And, of course, it didn't take long after the game was over for the questions to come firing about Aaron Rodgers' future. I mean, I did not think we'd be talking about this after this game. But, right. uh, you know, I'm going to take some time and, and – uh, have conversations with the folks around here and then take some time away and make a decision. Um, obviously before free agency or anything kind of gets going on that front, but you know, it's, it's fresh right now. It's, it's, you know, a little shocking for sure. Definitely haven't, you know, was hoping to have, you know, a nice week after the NFC championship to enjoy the lead up and and then start contemplating some things. So I haven't even haven't even uh, let the moment really sink in yet. Well, it has definitely sunk in, and here we go again with Aaron Rodgers. And do fans care about this? 
Do they care about him? I, I can tell you, there are Packer fans that are tired of this act as well, too. We've talked long and hard about that with his situation. And this is gonna go this is gonna go back to last year when all the nonsense offseason happened and he basically decided to come back and the Packers said, Okay, just let's get through this season. Let's get through this. And then at the end of the season, then you can decide on what you want to do. And we're not going to pressure you. And so Aaron Rodgers, he knew that. You can see the look in his face during the end of this game. that, And then these press conferences afterwards. That he's saying, you know what? I'm done. He's done. He's done in Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't and shouldn't get all the blame here. Again, here we go again. Remember a year ago, we're talking about Matt LaFleur. We're talking about the inexperienced Matt LaFleur, how to handle in-game situations. Same thing happened again this time around as well, too. Looked like he was lost. Kid in a candy store. Not sure how to handle it. Wow. They got outplayed by the San Francisco 49ers. They got outplayed last year by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lambeau Field. They got outplayed by the Niners again. Let's bring in our good friend, Matthew Holt. Matt, we had a wild weekend. Saturday, crazy. Sunday, just as crazy. And as we relive what transpired in the low-scoring game between the Niners and the Packers, where the the Niners win 13-10, to and you hear from Aaron Rodgers, give us some quick thoughts on that game. Unbelievable. I'll tell you who the most happy people are after TC, after Saturday, TC, it's the sports books. What a day they had. All the money came in on the Titans. All that money coming in on the Green Bay Packers. Both games stayed under. And then you cap it off with people chasing the under on the heavyweight UFC fight that night. That goes over as well. I'm hearing some reports that Saturday was one of the biggest NFL playoff days ever for quite a few different sports books. Yeah, that makes that makes sense too. And now we know Matt, it, it's big when the um, the the favorites win usually for uh, the public, and when the dogs win, it's going to be a big day for the books. And uh, again, with those two dogs, you know, on Saturday coming through big time, you got to feel the, the players were on the wrong side of these games. Absolutely, and I, I don't understand the love for Ryan Tannehill and and the Tennessee Titans Saturday, but a lot of money piled on. You could have laid three, three and a half. I mean, three and a half for for five days before that. There, but there were some sporadic threes, and there were nothing but fours on Saturday as the money just poured in on the Titans. And there was a lot of money, of course, as you'd expect, on the overs in the playoff games. You get the people that don't normally wager on football participating on playoff games, and they tend to bet overs both games, dead unders. It was a huge day for the books. Especially, I heard a ton of in-play money and second-half money came in on the Titans uh, Saturday, and of course they failed to get it done. Big, big day for the sports books on Saturday. Yeah, and how much of this, Matt? Too, and I think we touched on this last week, where you had a little bit different type of format this year as well. Too, you know, with only the two teams, one of the AFC, one of the NFC, you know, getting the buys, and we had such great competitive matchups in a divisional round. The point spreads, re- uh, you know, reflected that. With again, the highest point spread being the Niners and Packers game at five and a half. Everything else under three. Basically, the Chiefs and, and Bills 
basically almost going off as a pick em. That number got as low as one on the Kansas City side, ended up closing at two and a half. But just a lot of good two-way action and just a lot of unpredictability as well, too. And then it all comes to fruition as we get four of the most exciting games we've ever had on an NFL weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, four. I mean, four basic last play endings in all four games. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Um, and what's interesting is historically, the last few years, the teams, you know, there are always multiple prior to last year coming off the bye, have performed really well at home. Obviously, we saw this year both teams coming off a bye, laying a complete dud, scoring twenty six combined points in an zero and two effort. Right. Matt Holt joins us uh, talking about the NFL weekend, the divisional round, phenomenal games, phenomenal drama, and again, good weekend for the sports books as three of the four dogs come through. The only favorite that got there, Matt, and it was scary as all heck, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs uh, defeating the Buffalo Bills 42-36. to Three lead changes in the final two minutes. 25 points scored. An NFL record, by the way. And let's pick up the action here at the two-minute warning. The Chiefs lead 26-21. Josh Allen, fourth and 13, and he hits Gabriel Davis, who's found wide open in the end zone. Allen fires it. It's a wide open! Remarkable! Touchdown, Buffalo! Davis again! This is... It just is impossible, a strike. What a strike it was by Josh Allen. And it looked like the Bills were probably dead at this point, Matt. But this was only the beginning. Allen could try to make it a three-point lead. Circling around at the 18. Now looks. Flings it back in the end zone. There's Diggs. Caught it for the two. Two-point conversion made it 29-26, and that was huge because that basically said, hey, we're going to go back and forth. We could get overtime here, and now it's KC's turn. They're trailing by three. Mahomes hits a streaking Tyreek Hill for 64 yards. Down the middle. The drama just beginning there in Kansas City in the final two minutes. So after Allen gets the touchdown, the two-point conversion, Kansas City down by three, you figured, okay, plenty of time for Patrick Mahomes. All three timeouts left. Didn't take him long at all to find the streaking Tyreek Hill for the 64-yard touchdown. But very important because it now gives Kansas City the lead back with 113 to go, and they're up four, meaning the Buffalo needs a touchdown again. Field goal no good here, so it means it's Josh Allen's turn as he connects with Gabriel Davis not once, not twice, but three big plays to drive down the field. Down the middle to the inside. Number four on the night for Davis. Gabriel Davis got hit by 
Josh Allen on three plays during that drive, throwing an Emmanuel Sanders one there in the middle to sandwich that in there, and then Alistair Davis for a 19-yard strike. Bills touchdown. They lead again, 36-33, now with 17 seconds left. 17 seconds left. But remember, Kansas City has all three timeouts left. And then what happens? Mahomes goes big to Tyreek Hill for 19 yards, and then Mahomes to Kelsey for 25. Can't believe that that defense got beaten up like that. So this is a chance. And they call timeout quickly. They actually have a chance to get Bucker in field goal range here. Hail Mary kicks. Got to throw it right away right now to someone in the middle. Down the middle. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a 48-yard attempt. Only 48 yards. That's what it'll be. So nervous. So uh, hundreds of thousands around the planet. The kick is good. It's going to overtime. Harrison Butker, the game tying field goal, 49 yards out. Overtime it is. And here we go. It comes down to the coin flip. And this is the only thing that Josh Allen did wrong. He lost the coin flip. And it's Kansas City in overtime. You know what that means. Mahomes drove the Chiefs all the way down. He finds Travis Kelsey for the game winner. Looking to the end zone for the win. He caught it. Ball game. Chiefs to the championship game. These two guys know each other. Unbelievable. This this is just unfathomable. The Bills had won this game. It was over. Josh Allen with a perfect postseason. And Patrick Mahomes somehow comes out there and shows the world, I'm still here. Andy Reid. Looking to the refs. Oh, my gosh. One of the great games you'll ever see. And what a way to cap an exciting, exhilarating weekend. Game over, season over for Buffalo. Uh, Chiefs win by six in OT, the only favorite that comes through. Matt, when you hear that back, it just just conjures up memories of, of 24 hours ago or less than 24 hours ago, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely the most exciting playoff game that I've ever watched. I just thought it was absolutely amazing. I had no dog in the fight. Uh, not a fan really of either team, and I, you know, I'm certainly not a Buffalo fan as a Patriots fan. Uh, but just an amazing game. I thought both quarterbacks were unbelievable, um, and, and it's one of those games you'll just never forget. Literally for the rest of your life, I don't think anyone who watched that entire game will ever forget it. No action in that game, Matt. That seems to, we all have action on just about every playoff game. What uh, what got you off of of either side? Oh, I went fly fishing before, and, you know, didn't get my bets in. <laughs> the fly fishing. This is it. We're talking to our guy who was fly fishing. Did you dominate? How'd you do the fly fishing? Were you minus 230? Yeah, I did really well. The fly fishing went well, but it also kind of alleviated my time to go hit the book. This is true. Oh, my goodness. All right, great stuff. All right, so as we look ahead to this weekend's games, 
it seems like it, it's impossible to try to match this. And again, you got the Bengals in there. And the Bengals, of course, are going to be the biggest dog on the board. They're a seven-point underdog against the Kansas City Chiefs here. And then the other game, it's going to be rematch again for the third time this year between the Rams and the Niners. The Rams listed a three-point favorite. They opened at three-and-a-half against the Niners. But i got to believe, Matt, there's going to be tons of 49er money, just like there has been for the past four weeks. And especially considering the Niners have beaten the Rams six straight times. Yeah, I think that there'll be plenty of Niners backers this weekend. On the other side, I'm not sure. I think, you know, it's funny this line opened six because I don't think the books wanted to be on the fall number of seven. But even, and we know that the Sharps tend to bet early. The public tends to wait till closer to the games to make their bets. And yet I could say that the early money was on Kansas City, despite the fact that Cincinnati beat Kansas City in a game that mattered for both teams at the end of the season. I mean, Kansas City fighting for the number one seed, Cincinnati fighting for a playoff spot. So a game that both teams were coming out max effort, Cincinnati won that game. But despite that fact, all the early sharp action was on Kansas City. You know the public's going to be all over Kansas City, especially after what they witnessed from Patrick Mahomes here this past Sunday. So I have, I'm going to be interested to see if this line ever goes to 7.5 because I just feel like Joe Burrows has been amazing. The fact that he gets sacked every other play, yet the poise in the pocket he has, this one has shootout written all over. Look how high that total opened. I, I think that the public more so even on than being on Kansas City is going to be all over this over. We're talking about a total in January in a place that's known for its cold and windy weather, especially this time of year that opened 50 and a half. That's already up to 54 and a half TC. I think a lot of people expecting a shootout here between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah, I agree with you. And that is an insanely high total, but probably you know, deservedly so, like you said. And if, if the... If the Bengals are going to win this game, it's going to have to be in, in a shootout variety because I cannot see their defense slowing down Patrick Mahomes and company at all. And like you said, I mean, nine sacks that Joe Burrow had in that game against Tennessee and they win the football game, that's not going to happen because we've seen that this Kansas City Chiefs defense has gotten better during the course of the year. And you can say what you want about you know, this This thing was just, you know, whoever had the ball last Yesterday with Buffalo or Kansas City was going to win the game, but you know the, the Chiefs' defense is is going to step up in this game. I got to believe. Yeah, I think that they will step up. I mean, I, I, they know that that offensive line for Cincinnati is having all kinds of problems right now. I mean, there were nine sacks, but it felt like there could have been 19. Burrow was under duress constantly in that game, and I'm sure they're going to dial up plenty of, plenty of pressure watching that game. But again, let's not forget that Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati's one of those teams, if they're catching seven or more in this game come kickoff, they're very live, I think, to sneak through the back door. I mean, Kansas City was dominating that last game, uh, last time they played, up 28-17 at half. And here comes Cincinnati with a late 10-0 uh you know, run at the end of the game to sneak in and win it 34-31. Burrow has shown time and time again his toughness, plenty of weapons on the outside, plenty of speed for him. I think we're in for another shootout just like the first game between these two, which ended 34-31 Cincinnati. Right. All right, Matt, we will uh, handicap these games. We'll look at it all week long. We will talk to you a little bit later in the week. We appreciate uh, the time. And uh, get, get back to some fly fishing. How's that? 
Appreciate it, TC. Thanks, my friend. Take care. There he is, Matt Holt, checking in with us from U.S. Integrity from the Sportsbook side. Three of the four games, dogs come rolling. Big day for the books. We'll talk to Chuck Esposito this week, other Sportsbook directors as well, too, and get their take on this. And again, huge weekend at the books. Uh, not just not just you know winning for the books, but for the players as well, too, and the excitement that uh, that playoff football brings inside these sports books. So uh, we have a lot of talking points, of course, during the course of the week. And, of course, Friday we'll be at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in the William Hill Sportsbook over there. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic drama. And you wonder why this is the number one sport in the world. You wonder why the fandomonium that we have for the National Football League on full display on Saturday and Sunday. And you know what? We're going to do it all again with two more great games on Sunday. At least we hope they can live up to this. All right. Patrick Mahomes, fantastic. Here's Andy Reid talking about Patrick Mahomes and what he said to Patrick as Mahomes took the field with 13 seconds left to go in regulation. Yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper and go get it. So he uh, he did that. He went, he, he uh, made everybody around him better, which he, which he uh, is great at. And, um, uh, and, you know, he just does it effortlessly. Phenomenal. Phenomenal by Patrick Mahomes and also by Josh Allen as well, too, who uh, you got to feel bad for him and the Buffalo Bills. Oh, for the fourth time, going back to 1989, the Bills lose a big-time playoff game in dramatic fashion. You feel bad for Buffalo. There are a lot of Buffalo Bills fans that were, were hoping to get this uh, game, you know, through. And uh, it it didn't happen. The Chiefs come through big time. All right, when we come back, we're going to go to Tampa Bay. We're going to talk to T.J. Reeves, who is on the sideline broadcasting that playoff game yesterday between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams. We'll get his thoughts. And what's Buccaneer Nation thinking about? Well, here we go again. Tom Brady, is he going to come back or not? More from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The doctor, T.C. Martin. And he does get out. Stafford, deep downfield. He's got Cup again. He's at the 10. Stafford says, let's get down there. We got we to gotta clock it. We got to get the field goal. Clock running down. They have time. Rams getting set. Getting ready for Matt Gay to come in. He spikes it there, and Matt Gay will come in and try to win the game. In the game, the Rams tried every which way to lose. 30 yards to win the game. Matt Gay boots it through. And the Rams, by the hair of their skinny teeth, wind up winning it. Three games so far, a walk-off field goal. Yes. Wild day all across the National Football League at all four venues, but uh, specifically there at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay where the Bucks season comes to an end courtesy of the Rams. Rams jump out to the 27-3 lead. Bucks fight back gallantly, but uh, too little, too late, too short. Could not stop Cooper Cup, could not stop Matt Stafford, and Matt Gay comes through with the game-winning field goal for the Rams to advance on for the NFC West 
championship game coming up on Sunday. Our good friend TJ Rees, part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast crew, he was there firsthand on the sideline, microphone in hand, headset in hand. I can only imagine what that day was like for you, my friend. Uh, how are you holding up today? Always good to be with the doctor, uh, no matter what the occasion, let the record reflect, no matter if we're gloating about the Super Bowl, which I have done many times in your presence, on your show, etc., or if it is a gut punch Monday, as I said yeah. to Numchuck, I am here. The doctor put the bat signal up, I am here, and uh, I, I guess I'm going to feel like I'm on the witness stand starting right about now. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't have to feel that way, but it, it's really more of of the questions here, and there's plenty of them. But you know, let's let's well, go let's back. Let's begin with the highlights you just played. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you, and almost 24 hours later, I don't know that Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers have an answer for you. How in the world, when Cooper Cup has already burned you for a 70 yard touchdown earlier in the game on a third and 19, yes. mind you, Doctor? where you're supposed to be playing deeper and not let him run by you on third and 19. You let him run by you and score one in that instance, and now you bring the blitz and you let Cooper Cup literally run right down the middle of the defense, unabated, untouched. And uh, Matt Stafford uh, does a great job of holding the ball for just one extra half second. Oh, oh, he's open down the middle of the field. Let me launch this right where he can catch it. And you can't overemphasize enough. The Rams did a great job of getting everybody up off the ground. You got big, uh, flabby offensive linemen that have to run 50, 60 yards to go get set up. So while Al Michaels was describing that on TV, and Gene uh, Deckerhoff, our Hall of Fame announcer, was describing it the same way on the radio, it's like, are they going to get lined up and are they going to get the ball spiked here when they, as far as they had to run? So they deserve a lot of credit for that, too. They just they made the play at the end that they had to make to get the field goal and win a wild game, my friend. And, and I was going to ask you, I would have loved to hear Gene Deckerhoff's call on that. I mean, we know Gene's a pro. He's been doing it for you know, 30, yep. 37 years or whatever it's been. I mean, what was that call like? It was I a mean, good call. It, I mean, he, he, his call at the very end, I mean, he was animated. His call at the end is, how is he that wide open? Which I think... That's the headline today in Tampa Bay. How is he that wide open? Because it just it really overshadowed what was an amazing heroic comeback where the Bucks were were dead with dirt shoveled on them, and then suddenly, like the Undertaker brother in the WWE world, up from the grave and out of the grave, down twenty-seven to three to come back and tie that game. I can tell you that when Indomitian Sue stuck that hand in there and stripped the ball out on Cam Akers, and the Bucks recovered the fumble. That is as loud as Raymond James Stadium has ever been in terms of a Buccaneer game. It was shaking uh, after that play. And then, of course, they get in a few plays later on the four-net touchdown run, and I'm standing right there thinking this is going to overtime, and in Brady we trust. Right. Tom Brady's going to pull it out in overtime, but the Rams had other ideas. You know, back to the Bucks D, though. I mean, that that's, was my thought. It was like, why was no one in Cooper Cup's zip code? Zip code, my friend. I mean, it was ridiculous. 183 yards for Cooper Cup yesterday. It just and that's the thing. You knew where Matt Stafford's going to go. He goes there every week. That is his favorite receiver. Now OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. had a fantastic uh, game again, and it's amazing to see where this guy's come from and actually kind of doing it quietly, which is which is nice too. So we don't have to put up with his nonsense. But you know, Stafford <laughs> in Cup. 
that's the tag team, okay? That's that's your natural disasters. That's it. That's the Hart Foundation. There it is. Call it whatever you want. It, those two guys, <laughs> that's it. How can no Buccaneer yeah. be in the zip code here and the Buccaneers D let them down? And, and you hit the nail on the head with Sue's strip, the four fumbles. That's right, four fumbles by the Rams. That got the Buccaneers back in the game, and then you think, okay, you got the mojo, and then the defense lets you down again. I mean, it with the ebbs and flows of this game, if you're a Bucks fan and also part of the bar- broadcast crew, I mean, you had to imagine, TJ, I mean, honestly, I mean, you had to think. Okay, I know you were all pumped up, revved up, fired up in the beginning, you know, uh, much to you know, what I was telling you leading up to this game, but then here it is, you're thinking, this, this team is toast. 27-3, what was it like in Raymond James Stadium, or how quiet was it? And were there some people that were heading for the exits earlier on? Well, yeah, it was it was like a funeral uh, there late in the second quarter when they just continued to put points on the board and they sacked Tom Brady and forced a punt, and then they got the, the interception late in the half, and they're now driving to make the game 27-3. You never say never. We have learned that so many times with comebacks. Heck, he was down 28-3 in the second half of the Super Bowl that we all know, and they came back and won. So you never say never, but it, it was looking bleak uh, until again. And, they, you know, look, it wasn't just the Rams fumbling. Antoine Winfield hit Cam Akers and got the ball out of there on the one-yard line, uh, and, and the Bucks recovered, and it kept it from being at least 23-3, if not 27-3, late in the first half. And the Bucks did make a couple of plays on Cooper Cup, uh, including Jamel Dean's tripping him for the fumble late in the third quarter, and that flipped the momentum of the game around because at that point the Bucks get the ball down 27-6. They get in the end zone about four plays later. It's 27-13. You got the whole fourth quarter to go. It's a long game. I, I do have to give the doctor credit right here on the T.C. Martin Show, the world-famous T.C. Martin Show, because you were preaching to me all week, this is the Rams, this is the Rams. And I was saying negative, Ghost Rider. No, no. This is the Buccaneers. This is Tom Brady. The Rams were definitely impressive. Sean, Sean McVay deserves a tremendous amount of, uh, of credit for his game plans, his play calls. Raheem Morris on that defense, give them credit. Uh, but by the same token, the Bucks deserve a lot of credit, too, because they didn't just roll over. They made that a game. And uh, as much as we're lauding what Mahomes and the Chiefs did in the game after that, that was similar to what the Bucks were doing. The difference is the Bucks didn't get one more chance to give the ball to Tom Brady to win the game, like Kansas City got in the overtime for the one more time for Patrick Mahomes. So there you go. All right, T.J. Reeves joins us uh, from Tampa Bay on the call yesterday. That Bucks playoff loss to the Rams yesterday, an exciting one uh, that it was. T.J., I was thinking, and of course we did not hear – Joe Buck or you know, Troy, I mean, talking about this at all. And I'm very curious what your thought was or on the radio side with Gene Deckerhoff and, and, and crew there. There were times there during the fourth quarter um, and even the end of the third quarter when the Buccaneers passed up field goals, when they were down by you know, 24, 21 points inside there. Because there were fourth and longs, and they got mm-hmm. nothing out of that. Fourth and 11, fourth and 13, fourth and nine. They were in makeable field goal range for Ryan Suckup, and they went for it, and they got zero. If you go back to those occasions, they had three occasions where they could put nine points on the board, relatively easy nine points, that would have flipped the script and now, granted, the Rams helped them out with those fumbles, but this game 
They could have inched closer, but Bruce Arians never even thought about that. Was that going through you guys' mindset at all during the game? Okay, because so there was a couple. There was a couple of instances just to set the stage here, and, and these are all second guessers' delight. I mean, we love this. About but but how, I'm saying it as it's happening. No, go get three here. Get three here. You're not going to convert well, fourth okay, and thirteen, so, fourth and so eleven, fourth and back. nine. It's twenty. It's twenty-seven three. Brady gets uh, Brady gets sacked on on uh, second down. It's now third and long, and he throws incomplete. And I'm thinking they're going to go for it. It's twenty-seven to three, and Bruce Arians took the field goal. Right. And the boos were so loud that I'm surprised you could not hear them in Vegas, my friend. The whole stadium booed that decision. So they got the ball back at 27-6, and they had to convert another fourth and long on the pass to Scotty Miller after the fumble recovery, after they got the ball on the strip of Cooper Cup. That was a fourth and nine where he didn't take the field goal. Right. He, he went for it on fourth and nine, and they got it, and they got a touchdown. So now at that point, you're down 14. I think he's still in the mode of how many times can we continue to stop them? We've got to get touchdowns. And so, yes, you end up going for it twice in the fourth quarter and missing. And the amazing thing is you still got the ball back two more times after that for the touchdown. So I understand there was not a first guess, let me put it to you this way, down 27-13 of going for it on fourth and long. I think everybody thought, I'm talking about with about 10 minutes left or whatever it was, uh, when they threw the long pass to Mike Evans and there was the hit after the play and the flag after the play and a long delay and a long discussion, there was not a debate there about, hey, field goal to make the game 27-16. I realize in hindsight you're thinking, okay, well, you're going to get the ball back two more times and maybe tie the game, touchdown, two-pointer, and field goal. But I think in that moment they weren't thinking that. They yeah. were thinking we got to have touchdowns because if we give them the ball back, they're likely going to kill the clock and or score themselves. How many more times yeah. – can we and, and see, that's what I don't understand because you, you have to think that way because if it's fourth and three, fourth and two, fourth and one, I get that. But when you haven't converted, you, you know, the one time you converted on the fourth down, but again, three opportunities. They had one in the third quarter, the two in the third, in the fourth quarter. That's nine points that they left on the board there. And yes, you sh- they should be, Bruce Arians should be thinking that because again, more than likely you're not going to convert, you know, fourth and in long fourth and third right. fourth and fourth and eleven fourth and nine. Another, yeah. another component. Another component is Ryan Suckup had missed a long field goal in the first half too. Right. He doesn't have the longest leg. And, and on the one on the incompletion of Mike Evans on fourth down, it would have been close to a fifty yard field goal. Right. We've seen so him nail it before. That's I mean, another yeah. thing that he's that he's thinking uh, in all of this. Uh, so yeah, there's there's so many second guess things that you can look at. From this game again, you ultimately credit the Rams, but they were in free fall, as I like to say. Yeah. They had stepped down the empty elevator shaft in that fourth quarter, where the Buccaneers had them on the ropes. And if you could have just gotten them, I mean, I'm standing there in the final 40 seconds where the Rams have one timeout left, and they sacked Stafford on that play, and they almost got the ball out on him. <laughs> and and if they had, then obviously you are right there, golden in field goal range to end the game. Uh, and so then you're thinking, okay, the Rams take timeout. Are they really going to try to make a play here, or are they going to play for overtime? And I think what McVay was thinking on the other sideline, I'm not waiting on the coin flip, give it to Tom Brady and have him in the game with a touchdown. We're going to take our chance right now to win the game, and that turns out to be a, a great decision. And one more, full credit to them. I, I am being uh, very sportsmanlike here on the T.C. Martin Show. you got to give a lot of credit to the Rams. I'm giving it up yes, to them. you got to give yes. credit to Les Snead for the trades he made. He trades for Matt Stafford in the offseason and gives up number one picks, plural, to do it. 
They, they make the trade at the deadline to get Vaughn Miller giving up a second and a third, uh, and Vaughn Miller can walk as a free agent. It's a, it was a half-year rent-a-player situation, and Vaughn Miller was fantastic. He terrorized the Bucks yesterday. You mentioned Odell Beckham. They gave him the guaranteed money to get him uh, when, the, when the Browns released him. So they made some bold moves to win right now, and right now it is paying off. They're in the, they're in the NFC Championship game in no small part because of those guys helping them out, obviously. All right. T.J. Reeves joins us from uh, Tampa Bay. All right, T.J., well, we know that the the questions are already coming in Green Bay after Aaron Rodgers uh, lost <laughs> again, and I'm sure that these questions are starting to come now. I actually heard a couple of them in the postgame press conference yesterday about Tom Brady, about Rob Gronkowski. Uh, where is this at right now? Are people already talking about the futures, and uh, here we go with Brady Watch again because the offseason has already started. Well, I, yes, that is the question right now uh, in the off season: is what does he want to do? And I am here to testify, I believe he's back. I, I, I believe he does not hang him up on a loss to Matt Stafford at home. I, I believe, and there's, there's a couple more factors with this, his health is still there. The zip on the ball is still there. Doctor, did you see the bomb to Mike Evans in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I did. I mean, that was a strike right in front of me, right over the top of Jalen Ramsey. So, who had been running his mouth, I think, since last Wednesday. And Mike Evans toasted him, and Brady laid it right in there. I think the guy, I mean, he threw for 5,000 yards this year. The guy held up physically. For the most part, they were able to uh, keep him upright. Obviously, these last two weeks with Tristan Wirfs, the outstanding right tackle, injured and not in there, it was different. And he took some hits. But, I mean, the roster's going to have a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball still. I think he comes back. I think he looks at this and says, I can play at 45 years of age. Let's give it a shot one more time and see if we can win one more in Tampa Bay. We shall see. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's a totally different scenario uh, than, than Rodgers because Rodgers, we knew, was, you know, had this uh, – you know, you know, had the problems with the front office and that sort of thing. He was going to come back, but we knew that this was probably going to be it. And then with the way that exit is, I mean, Rodgers will probably continue playing, but it's probably not going to be in Green Bay. And then with the Brady situation, it's more like, okay, is Tom Brady going to come back and just play? If he plays, it's obviously going to be with the Bucks. It's not going to be with another team, but in, in, the, in the weapons are still there. I mean, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in much better shape than the Green Bay Packers are, uh, especially if you can get Gronkowski to come back and the Bucks can, you know, get their wide receiving core, you know, healthy again. And Chris Godwin is back, and again, you, you know, Mike Evans is back. And then, like you said, you know, the big red flag for me last week was when we heard the offensive line was going to be missing, you know, uh, Worths, and then, and then also uh, the center as well too. That, that those were going to be two huge. Well, factors. Jensen ended up Jensen. playing. Yeah. So Jensen and Jensen was solid, but Worfs again was an All Pro tackle this year. And Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald and others were lining up on that right side and giving the Bucks all kinds of problems uh, in that game on Sunday. So he's very valuable. But the offensive line is intact. You mentioned the weapons, Leonard Fournette. They will probably put a good contract in front of Leonard Fournette to have him remain here. If you're him, why would you not want to stay here? and make millions and play with Tom Brady, at least in the short term, for another season or so. So I think there's a lot of compelling reasons why Brady would want to be back here. Again, the weather is fantastic, as you know. You're not shoveling snow for the next two months here in Tampa Bay. 
Uh, there's a lot of benefit and a lot of reason, and I think he's taking great care of his uh, of his body. So uh, you keep looking for signs. Okay, physically, is he not the same quarterback anymore? TC, not the case. Mm, he's yep. still got it. And he it, can still play. And the way they lost yesterday, uh, I believe that that is a big, big indicator. He will try it again and see if they can't get back to the Super Bowl and maybe win the thing again. Quick answer. Gronkowski, back or not? If Brady's back, he's absolutely back. If Brady's not back, I think he retires again. It's, a tag, that for quick it's, a, it's a tag team. There you go. All right, my friend. Uh, we appreciate you uh, all year long. And, again, coming on today after the big uh, emotional loss yesterday, uh, you are the true professional. We appreciate it, as <laughs> always. And thanks for breaking it down. It's, uh, it's great You're insight. You're always good to come on with me no matter what. And so the least I could do was be on the Galactically Famous T.C. Martin Show. Hey. Whenever you need me, let me know. We're on to college hoops. We're on to other things. The Three Dog Thursday podcast rolls on. I need the doctor on as a guest again about that. Thank you for everything. Tough day in Tampa Bay. It's no longer Tampa Bay after that loss yesterday, but always good to be with you. There you go, brother. Appreciate you. There he is, T.J. Reeves from Tampa Bay, part of the Bucks broadcast and crew. And a tough one yesterday if you're a Bucks fan, but let's face it, there are a lot of fans out there that are not Bucks fans, really not Brady fans. I've never understood that. That's just pure jealousy. I want to see Brady out. I want to see the Bucks out. I mean, hey. Bottom line is they got beat by the better team yesterday, the more healthier team. That was the Rams yesterday. So called it, nailed it. Rams go on. They're facing the Niners in the NFC West Championship game. The West rivals are going to battle. Oh, by the way, at SoFi Stadium, oh, the home of the Super Bowl as well, too. We saw the Bucks win at Raymond James Stadium last year. Maybe. Same thing with the Rams coming up this year. Who knows? Heidi Fang is going to join us on the other side. And also, more Ballpark Frank tributes, as today is Frank's birthday. We say happy birthday to him, so we'll play you some, some fun audio next hour as well, so hang tight for that. T.C. Martin Show on this manic or magnificent Monday. It's the enemy over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stand, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, appreciate Matt Holt joining us. Hour number one, T.J. Rees from Tampa Bay, part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast crew as they go down to defeat yesterday. Yes, shot called right here. The defending champs will be gone, gone. How about the number one seats? Gone as well, too, on Saturday as the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, ousted what a weekend NFL wild, wild weekend in the divisional round. Four great games, four wild finishes. All four games ended on the final play of the game with the margins of victory. Three, 
Three, three, and six in overtime. Craziness. But just a fantastic weekend. And you wonder why people say the NFL is the world's most popular sport. Okay, I understand soccer, football, I get that. But from an American standpoint, it is the NFL and nothing else is a close second. And when you talk about the world's most beautiful game, if you want to, as many Europeans say, soccer, you don't get finishes like this. And you definitely don't get four of them in a 48-hour span as well. It's, it's great. And how, and how are you liking this? Huh? For the first time in 12 years, a conference title game will be played without Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Yeah. You like that. Now, I think that's a Bears fan that's, that's hitting the applause button for that. That's what I think. There he is. Eh? You know, again, the hate for Rodgers, I get. No problem. But the hate for Brady, come on. Stop that. You know? I understand people just, they're sick of seeing Tom Brady. They're sick of winners. But, and it's not the New England Patriots. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You still have to have a soft spot in your heart for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, come on. They're like the lowest of the low for decades upon decades, you know? All right. Saturday, we saw both number one seeds lose. Sunday, the Super Bowl champs were gone. Uh, four fantastic games. All right. Let's uh, relive them again. And talk to our good friend Heidi Fang, who covers the Raiders, the UFC, all combative sports, and I believe she's in a in a food contest covering it sometime uh, in the very near future. The one and only <laughs> Heidi Fang. Hello, thank you, TC, for the lovely introduction. Yeah, <laughs> it's always love. So Heidi, Heidi texted me today. She goes, "So what are we going to talk about today?" I go, "I have no idea." I mean, you, you don't have no idea which, which direction that we're going to go here. And what you come back with, you came back with pork rinds. Isn't that what you said to me? Pork, pork rinds? Bacon. Huh? Yeah. Is, I'm a big fan of the bacon. The, the bacon. Pork products. The, yeah, what well, if there was some magic animal that made all of those things? Homer Simpson. Bacon and pork rinds. Yeah, see, not, not not really my genre there, Heidi. You know, you, I'm surprised. What? I'm surprised Numchuck didn't give you a soundbite. You know, after that, because because you're not. He's a fan he's all over the swine. I love the swine. Are you kidding? I said I'm not a fan of whatever you you said. You said what? What did you say? Homer Simpson? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Homer Simpson. There's a thing with Lisa. It's one of my favorite Simpsons episodes from way back and. She's like naming all things that are made with pork, and she's like pork chops, ribs, and he goes, "Yeah, sure, Lisa, as if there's some magic animal from which all of this stuff came from." <laughs> there it is. is. Is this it? You're not going to play this. This reminds me of the Steve Sachs episode. Lisa, <laughs> I thought you loved me, loved me. What's wrong, Lisa? Didn't you get enough lamb chops? I can't eat this. I can't eat a poor little lamb. Lisa, get a hold of yourself. This is lamb, not a lamb. What's the difference between this <laughs> lamb and the one that kissed me? This one spent two hours in the broiler. But sensible bites. All right, Lisa, if you don't want lamb chops, there's lots of other things I can make. Chicken breast. Lump roast. Hot dogs. No, I can't. I can't eat any of them. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lisa, honey, 
Are you saying you're never going to eat any animal again? What about bacon? No. Ham? No. Pork chop? Dad, those all come from the same animal. <laughs> yeah, right. Will you oh, cut this off already? Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is what happens when we give Numchuck the controls here. Just that's it. That's it. Numchuck, I'm gonna have to give you the heave ho. You and Heidi Fang should just do a show together. That's it. There's the do a pork rind show. There you go. <laughs> He's gone. All right. Heidi, are you still with us? I am so there. <laughs> you just killed. You just killed this interview, Numchuck. But I guess it's my fault, right? Because I brought up. The Heidi Fang was wanted to talk about uh, bacon. knew where the episode was. Are he you kidding? Of course he knew. Amazing. I know. And like I said, it reminded me when we have Steve Sachs on. I mean, Numchuck and, and, and even Magnum back in the day, they would go right to that episode where you, where you know, Steve Sachs <laughs> got got in the Hall of Fame because of his uh, his episode with Homer Simpson. Now you probably remember that, don't you? No, and we're not playing that Numchuck. We we play that when Sachs comes. <laughs> I was afraid to say yes. <laughs> you know, how was that? We did another five-minute segment. Exactly. She's killing me. He's killing me. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. No. That's, that's, that's quite all right. That's, all right. All right. Okay. Oh. Even though it could be more a little bit more interesting than Raiders news, right? Oh. We'll, we'll talk about that right now. All right. Let's talk, let's talk playoffs, Heidi. All right. So you weren't working over the course of, of, of the weekend or the games. Even though maybe you had some UFC duty, but how in tune were you to watching all four playoff games on Saturday and Sunday? I didn't do anything else. Well, truth be told, I was working on some video work, of course, but I sat on my tush. That's what my the school says to my son: sit on your tush, mm-hmm. and I watched football. For, uh, it was like seven and a half hours. Yeah, a girl. That's what I'm talking about. It was pretty amazing. I rarely get the opportunity. And what a weekend to have nothing else on my plate to do but watch football. It was glorious. Little it ZZ Top here, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. I, it's funny, Numchuck. Yes. I was thinking that. I was thinking that in my mind. Now, I have no problem with you going a little ZZ Top. No, there's nothing wrong with ZZ Top ever. If somebody yeah. has a problem with ZZ Top, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> they certainly didn't live in the era that I grew up in. My dad was all about it. But you had a little versatility ZZ going, didn't you? You had a little versatility like myself. You, you could go with a little rock, and then you can go a little old school R&B as well, right? Or did yeah, you? Or was I one mean, more than the other for you? Well, I lean more R&B, you know, rap, you know, old school kind of, you, you, you know, funk. I lean more that way, but I have no problem with listening to some good metal if it's like some Ozzy Osbourne oh, stuff geez. and ACDC stuff and Black Sabbath stuff and <laughs> yeah, Metallica stuff. And AC, I said ACDC already. Yeah, you you know, I go yeah. back to some Ramones every now and then if I feel sad and lonely. Um, there's, <laughs> there's other things, other things too. So uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's Ballpark Frank's birthday the today. Clash. And you know, you know, in ballpark, Frank, you just you're, you're making his day by, you know, rambling off all of those, uh, you know, hard rock groups. I mean, that, that, that's all him. And I know that that's, uh, you guys got have conversations about that too back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, we did, we did, we had some conversations. 
rest his soul, man. Yeah. We certainly did. And he's a good spirit, you know, always up on it. And we talked a lot of, like, you know, 70s stuff here and there, like 70s kind of, you know, classic rock. But he would laugh at me right now if I said classic rock and he was on the air. Right. He would laugh. <laughs> it's that cl- it's it's the rock music. <laughs> there it is. Right. The Ohio State, the rock music. The, the rock music, that's right. <laughs> All right, Heidi. So uh, what game intrigued you the most of the four playoff games Gosh. over the weekend? Oh, what a question. Yeah. I think the Titan of all games this weekend did not include the Titan. I agree. And it was definitely the Chiefs and the Bills, my opinion. And I would have loved to have seen what could have happened. There's so many things on the end of that game, just the way it went down. That you, a lot of people could say this. It would have been nice to see Josh Allen touch the football in overtime. A lot of other people can say this. 13 seconds, kick the squib, mm-hmm. use the prevent defense. It's so really funny because, you know, before I really, really knew – the ins and outs and strategy of football. When I first picked up my Madden controller in 1999 or something like that, when Eddie George was on the cover. and When Prince was um, singing, okay, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, like, I used to play against some friends that would, you know, they they would run zero blitzes on me, and instead of me throwing the ball, I'm like, oh, what do I do? And I'm going to run and take, like, a wheel route or something on a little running back and then go down the field, which was a big mistake when everyone's playing in the prevent because what happens, you, you get set up for the field goal, not the touchdown, right? Right. And or zero blitz, you know, you're looking for the one receiver out deep before you get the sack, and, you know, he's not there. Um, but, like, those are things, like, that could have been done in this game, like the prevent defense definitely, and, and then the – and then the uh, scoop kick mm-hmm. would have made a big difference in that game in the final 13 seconds. If you take, even if it's four seconds away from Mahomes, he went what, over 40 yards in the span of 13 seconds to be able to send that game to OT. And he just, it's like, and I've watched Tom Brady do it in the past. We've watched Patrick Mahomes do it. And it's certainly disappointing for Bills fans who were just on the cusp of it right there. And this, it's just going to set up so much uh, for this rivalry that's become of these two teams in recent years. We're watching them battle it out like this. And what a, what a performance by both quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gabriel Davis was like Randy Moss out there yesterday. Right. Just making huge plays. And everyone's like, Gabriel Davis. I, I picked him up on a spot pickup in fantasy during the season. I can't lie. But. Uh, he helped me tremendously in that one week, <laughs> but it was, you know, he's not a guy who otherwise his name is going to be popping up on everybody's radar, except for the fact that Josh Allen made him the guy in that game for, you know, all intents and purposes and, and catching those big touchdowns. But man, if you, if, uh, if they had taken like four to five seconds off with the squib kick running into play, you know, they, it just, Instead of kicking it out into the back of the end zone, that, that would have made a big difference, I think, in that final 13 seconds. And then, obviously, run a prevent defense for then, you know, to protect against the touchdown. And that's it's, 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 it's rough. It's all retrospect and, 
you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You could say all of that stuff, but it was, I think, a hard one for Bills fans to swallow. Yeah, definitely, especially considering the long history of the Bills losing the four Super Bowls. And then you go back to mm-hmm. you know nineteen eighty nine with playoff losses. You know, this is the fourth mm-hmm. one. It's just, it's it's crazy. And probably the only thing yeah. that they did wrong in this game, well, what you just outlined it, but you have to give the Chiefs a lot of credit because they still. You know, have to you know, complete uh, forty-four yards worth of passes uh, and yeah. be spot on. Uh, you know, in 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 nine seconds to, to get that done, and that's insanely uh, incredible for Patrick Mahomes uh, to connect with Tyreek Hill and then Travis Kelsey to do that. But the only thing that the, the Bills probably did wrong was uh, Josh Allen. You know, called you know uh, the 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 uh, the coin flip wrong in overtime. That was it. But I'm glad you brought this up about the overtime thing because this is a hot-button topic, and of course there are a lot of people that are talking about this today. And I'll tell you what, Heidi, it drives me nuts because they always talk about it when this rare occasion happens where, oh, Patrick Mahomes goes right down the field. Well, Josh Allen deserved to get the ball back. This this rule is terrible and this and that. Okay, you know, the rules are in place, everyone has to play by the rules, and if you had maybe one lesser or two lesser quarterbacks, no one is complaining. But because you had these two phenomenal quarterbacks in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and basically it was going to be last team that has the ball wins because both defenses were it just you know succumbed to it. Okay, I get there there's an argument for this here. But you know, I've heard people com- uh, compare it to baseball. And this is what kills me with this. Like, what are you talking about? It goes extra innings. You know, the team bats in the top of the 10th. The the team, you know, gets to bat in the bottom of the 10th as well, too. Because baseball is not a timed game. Okay? It's based on outs. Exactly. (laughs) This is true. That's good. That's good. I feel I kind of feel like it. But I've heard this argument today about people comparing this to baseball. It's not baseball. It's a timed game. Plain and simple. And yes, okay, if you're defense they they already kind of give you the caveat of like, okay. You know, we'll let you get the ball back, but the only way you're not getting the ball back is if the other team goes down and scores a touchdown or, or, or you give up a safety, all right? Back in the day, it was true sudden death where yep. it was solely reliant, okay? So the NFL changed that. So come up with a defense, come up with a stop, at least hold someone to a field goal, and the game continues. And this could have been, yeah. you know, the longest game ever played. It could have been Miami, San Diego, whatever, back in the day, replayed all over again. It could have went on and on and on and on to the break of dawn. It could have, but it didn't. And there's nothing wrong with the way the rules are set up now. So that's my problem. People complain after the fact this is better than sudden death, I guess, you know, but at least gives somebody the opportunity. But you still have to play both sides of the football, right? Right, right. And then, true, they even in postseason, like it can't end in a tie. So it would have had to been played until somebody, you know, broke through with the touchdown. But like it could have been on any given drive. You know, it could, but it's obviously Mahomes is so special, you know. Uh, my magic is something that I saw written out today from one of my friends in a fantasy league that we still we chat all the time, right? And so they wrote out M A H magic, my magic. <laughs> <laughs> I had to share that because I giggled when I read it. Well, I get- but you know when. 
when it, when you you know who you're playing against and you know the stakes and you know in the first and second quarter obviously it's when the defense is more fresh for the Bills and going on and playing through you know the depths of um, the emotions and everything that they had it's pretty crazy you know to think of how spent that defense might have been out there but you gotta call the the right plays to protect against what Mahomes can do and it's. It's hard to say that when I'm like an armchair quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to say that and watch it and go, why aren't you in the prevent? But it, it, you don't – I'm not on the field. I'm not making those calls. And uh, it, they could have done a better job at defending against the touchdown, you know, mm-hmm. protect against the touchdown. That's, that's all that kept going through my head. And uh, yeah, if, you know, like you said, TC, you set up the field goal, they go for the field goal. Yeah, then you get a chance at it, and it's it's easy for me to, like I said, to say that sitting here and in retrospect and not being on the field and all that stuff. But it's just mathematics and general, you know, <laughs> general thought process of what the head coach should be doing out there and calling for his team to have an opportunity. So that that's just part of the turf. And like you said, back in the day, it was just yay, you know, whoever scored scored. It wasn't. A field goal, and then you get it back. A field goal, you get it back. Field goal, you back. And then until someone scores a touchdown, no, yeah. it was just field goal done yeah. over. Sorry, guys, it, didn't even get to see the. You know, right? It's like but. they everybody wants to structure these games so they never end. I mean, because they love <laughs> seriously, because they love the drama so much. That's why we have you know the two minute warning, and that's why you have you know the the clock will stop when you go out of bounds under the last five minutes. I mean, things change towards the end of the game because they want this drama, and it, it's great drama. Twenty five points scored in the final two minutes, an NFL record, by the way. And but that's what they like. So now we get to overtime. It's like okay, well let's let's continue it. Everybody get the ball back one more time and one more time. And then there would be something else that somebody would say just to try to extend this game. But but the NFL put this in place, you know, to, as they say, protect the players, especially during the regular season, saying, hey, you know, these these guys are spent on the defensive side of the ball or whatever. But, I mean, think about what you're trying to accomplish here, okay? Do you want to make it completely fair? Then if you want to make it completely fair, then you do that, okay? Like college, where everybody gets the ball at least one time if you want to be fair. But if you're going to say, okay, we you know, we want the game to come to an end because we don't want it to roll into 60 minutes on CBS to interrupt our nighttime programming because that was an argument back in the day, or we want to speed the game up to get it, uh, the game under three hours, okay, it's, it's what are you trying to accomplish? But if you want a true winner and you want fair – then you don't worry about the time and all this other nonsense. It just depends on what you want. Regular season, oh, we, we, don't, we don't want to last that long. So instead of 15 minutes, it's 10 minutes. And now we're going to have this rule for regular season, this rule for postseason. I mean, come on. Let's just let's be consistent and get it right and quit worrying about the other nonsense. What do you want to achieve? You want fairness? Then construct your rules and games for fairness and not, you know, let's get the hell out of Dodge and be a Geico commercial and let's talk about leaving the game in the third quarter and getting our snacks there and worrying about parking lots. I don't know why I regress to that, but anyway. I yeah, did. it's all good. 
I was just thinking about Ted Lasso the whole time um, <laughs> because I've been watching Ted Lasso, and then I just watched, you know, some of the, the games. I'm not going to ruin it in case anyone out there hasn't seen it. But, you know, I, I get mystified when I see how they end in ties and ties and ties, and I'm like, wow, I guess that's just kind of, you know, a norm for soccer. I, I Honest, truth be told, like, right. uh been a good couple decades since I sat down to watch soccer because you know I don't have to, but I used to live in a house where I had to. <laughs> but you know now I don't. I'll watch a game here or there. I like watching the World Cup stuff like that, but I don't dedicate time in my life to watch soccer. And it's just you know, well, you know how much I do anyway. But it's just, you know, but when I, I think about the rules and how it all works, and it's like wow, they 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 end in ties. Bain ties a lot, and that I think to me is part of what makes soccer not as interesting for me as a as a watcher. Because in football, we always have to go most of the time, you know, until the game ends with somebody else outscoring the other. And there are the rare ties that do happen, and but it's not as though um, it, it. I don't know. It's more exciting for me to see somebody come out as a winner than it is to see the tie. And I know in soccer it goes with points and the point system and da-da-da. Well, hockey's the same you know. way. I mean, that drove me nuts yeah. about hockey, too. I mean, you know, and finally enough people complained about it, and they said, okay, well, let's go to overtime. Okay, let's go to a shootout. Yeah. But hockey was mm-hmm. like soccer. They were completely fine. Ah, tie's fine. Who cares? That's fine. It's like, no, it's not. You know, like they yeah, say, we got the two points, or yeah. we got the one point, right. or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, you know, like people say, Sorry, Frank. Hey, tie, ties like kissing Frank your sister, right? Me right? I mean, nobody likes kissing. Nobody likes kissing their sister, right? No comment. No comment. Heidi Fang joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Okay, Heidi, you've been all over the Raiders uh, situation here. This, you know, again, going back to training camp, off season, everything, and now the season is is done. Did you kind of have a little bit of void in your weekend? Even though I know we got a lot of off the field yep. stuff uh, going on, but you kind of enjoyed that, didn't you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love this game so much. I'm so demented. I love this game of football. I just want. I want to be around it. If they could have like an all league ground football thing that happened, like so that I could watch football all throughout the entire year, I'd be happy. But, you know, um, I know there's like other stuff like, you know, XFL, Canadian football, that stuff that's happening, but, eh, you know, NFL. Mm-hmm. But it's still going. We're going to be covering it all. Uh, Pro Bowl, everything here happening. Okay. So it's not like I have a big lull in time, you know. Um, but this past weekend being off was tremendous being able to watch games and like relive my love for the sport because it's not like I don't love it when I'm out there but my strengths always have lied and like looking over what happens and being able to really evaluate it and when I'm out on the field I'm on one side of the field or you know um, I'm relegated to a particular spot so I can't always run back and forth and and see everything that's happening if I'm on the opposite 10-yard line of where the team is, you know? So being able to, and I listen a lot on the radio while I'm out there. I have my earbuds and I'm listening to the game so I can keep up if I miss something. But um, being able to watch it (laughs) and, like, see all the angles and watch the replays, like if something happens on the opposite 10-yard line on the other side, I can't. I can't see what happened. I can't see what went down. So it's like just great to be able to have that time. 
It was really nice. You got it. I I totally agree, too. As I was looking forward to this weekend, not having to go, you know, to the Raider game and cover it and and leave. You know, that bothers me. I got to leave the 10 o'clock games early, and I got my whole, you know, NFL package on direct TV. And it's like, it's killing me. It's like, oh, man, Raiders on the road. Okay, I kind of like that, you know, because I I don't have to travel like you do. So I I, I like those Raider away games. And then when they're not playing on the weekend, it's like, yeah, this is my my kingdom. Get my grilling going. Get my tea. Yeah. I mean, believe me, I was, oh, I loved it. I was in heaven this weekend. I just, I loved it. All right. And we, we couldn't ask for a better game. No. The football gods shined upon us. No doubt. Okay, so Raiders update. GM search still underway. Mark Davis mm-hmm. conducting dual um, interviews. He's he's interviewing head coaches as well as as uh, general managers here. Uh, give us give us a nugget. You got any juicy nuggets? Uh, what's the latest here? I know you're not around the facility uh, today, but I know you were last week. What are you hearing? Well, it's a lot of stuff that's happening, like you said, lining up the interviews, and we just won't know. I, can't, I don't have any great nugget aside from the names that we have. You know, there's Dawes out there and Harbaugh and you know, Ziegler's name's thrown thrown around. There's a lot of guys that, you know, Sean Payton became kind of like an interesting uh, name that popped up here that you have to wonder, will the Raiders pursue a guy like that because he is such a high-level competitor and has got so much experience and working with quarterbacks. Like, he's a quarterback whisperer, and I feel like if he can get to, you know, Derek Carr and they extend Derek Carr, that's another thing. You know, or what if there's Aaron Rodgers is another name thrown around just because they haven't extended Derek Carr yet. You know, you have to think all these things that could happen and be thrown in the mix. Right now, it's just like literally painting a Picasso. We're just throwing it all up there and like looking and trying to figure out what pieces will fall into place. So until we know more of the direction that Mark Davis wants to go and what interested me about the Harbaugh rumors and Harbaugh, Harbaugh, you know, hearing that name over again, is that I think that Mark Davis would be more inclined to want a guy that wants less control over all the final say and decisions. And you feel like a guy like like Jim Harbaugh is going to come in and say, I want this guy, but we're getting rid of him and start cleaning and rebuilding and that stuff. So I, I think ideally you would want a coach that would come into a situation that's going to look over everything and say, this is what, my plan is we can keep this park because it's worked, but I think we work out with the pieces we have and, you know, use the draft effectively, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, I, I don't see the Raiders right now jumping into a situation with somebody who's so strong minded on what they want to do and run with the team that they may start a rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. That's what concerns me about a guy like Harbaugh coming in is because you think about somebody like him and he might want to retool the whole thing, you know? So um, other people you think about and you say, okay, well, they might, uh, they might be uh, more inclined to listen out to a general manager who says general manager goes, okay, I want this, this, and this. And then, they can follow suit. So I don't know if you want somebody like we had Gruden in the past that comes in and, and guts everything that the previous GM did with Reggie McKinsey until he gets his own guy, Mike Mayock. And we saw how that went with first round picks. Granted, they did find great gems in the later rounds, but when you look at the first round picks, none of them really panned out. So that's where you have to think about how you hire this position 
and how they are as far as scout and being a, a strong-minded enough individual to bring in talent, but maybe not to gut the whole thing because they're obviously a playoff caliber team and you have to think about what is best for the team if you want to get this team that already evolved to the point that they're at to get them into the playoffs. What do you do? So that's, uh, that's what I think their main consideration needs to be no matter what the name is. Yeah, and I agree with you on the fact that you don't want to get uh, a guy in here that's going to relive the Gruden situation where Gruden was de facto GM, you know, the 51-49 over Mayock and that that sort of thing. Uh, but it, it, the reason why that was because Mike Mayock did not have any experience as a GM. I'll say this, though. Here's why I think the Harbaugh thing is a little bit different and a lot of people are are saying the same thing that you're saying. Here's what I heard or learned a little bit about Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh has been humbled since his time in the NFL with the Niners, and he he was successful. But after going to Michigan and now coming back, believe it or not, this guy has matured a little bit. And I think that he just wants a, a seat at the table to have some input with discussionary uh, uh, discussions, I should say, with the personnel. I don't think he's coming in here and wants to control it. And here's the thing about Mark Davis. We know Mark Mark likes a high-profile guy, and Mark will be the first one to say, you know what, I don't know enough about these things. I'm not going to pretend that I'm Jerry Jones. And Mark would love to get a guy like Harbaugh to pick his brain and say, what do you think that we need or whatever? But he wants to have that GM, and I think he knows he has to have that GM, where the GM and the coach need to work in concert with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that that Harbaugh can come in and play in that role, you know what I mean, instead of being the takeover. I don't think, like I said, I I don't think Mark wants that coming from what he did, but he does want to surround himself with people that he can say, you know what, I I trust you with this organization and this franchise, and if it doesn't work out, then I'm just going to fire you. But that's why I think that a connection here could work, like, say, between a guy like like Dobbs, who came over from Indianapolis, uh, who's interviewing from, from the Colts, and Harbaugh, who know each other, have worked together, because they were both on that staff in 2002 and 2003, and Davis likes both of these guys. I think if you can work that type of situation, I think Jim Harbaugh comes in and is a huge asset to the organization. Yeah, I think anybody of his caliber would be. I mean, look what he's done with his teams in the past, even though Michigan kind of had a poor outing there in the last game. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, you go over and you see everything that they that he has as his body of work, and he's absolutely, met, you know, fit for that role. And also, you know, Sean Payton's another name that, you know, I keep yeah. thinking about because, you know, he said he may not come back with the Saints. But, um yeah, definitely those are the kinds of coaches that you need right now. I think Rich Passaccia is still in the mix. I think he's still somebody that they have to look at um, and say, you know, do we give him another shot as a head coach this year? But what I think the difference is between them, you have a player's coach there and you have a guy like Harbaugh who's going to command things out of these guys that isn't going to be buddy-buddy with them. And so you have to think, about what kind of coach do you think is going to be better for this team to help take them to the next level? All right, all right. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal. Catch all of her stuff there at the online, the Las Vegas Review Journal dot com. Uh, what you got working on, Heidi? What's going on here? What can we watch of you? Off season, baby. Oh. Off season review. I did some videos yes. with Ed Graney. 
we're putting them up, grading the you know offense and defense and special teams and coaching mm-hmm. all by position. So uh, check them out on VegasNation.com and also on the YouTube page, ReviewJournal.com. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right, girl. Uh, enjoy. Uh, go cook a meal. How's that? Cook some dinner. I will. My, my son's hungry. I got to go <laughs> make him something. I'm going to fix something up. All right. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you real soon because we know Thanks, we're going to have, appreciate it. We'll have some Raiders breaking news soon and uh, we'll dial you in, girl. Could have happened by the time I was off this call. It happened last time like, I got off the show. Exactly. This is true. <laughs> like, literally, I hung up the phone a minute later. My Mac Mayock was fired. So exactly. We'll, we'll go see who, who we got fired now. That a girl. All right. Take care. See, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> All right. Later. There's Heidi Fang. All right. Uh, when we come back, we want to say happy birthday and salute our good friend, my former tag team partner, Ballpark Frank. We're going to play some audio uh, from the past shows with Frank and have a little fun as we salute our friend on what would be his 63rd birthday. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth, the oracle has spoken, the mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. All right, very special day today as I think back. Our good friend, Ballpark Frank Harnish, celebrating his birthday today. That's right, January 24th. And uh, it was a day that we were hoping to spend uh, with him. Instead, we think about him. And it's uh, been two and a half months or so now since uh, he passed away. But uh, his memory lives on. And uh, we think back of some of the great uh, the great moments and the fun times always. You know, we've done a couple different celebrations of life, uh, you know, for him. And uh, so today, on his birthday, we think about him. So happy birthday, Ballpark Frank. So I thought I would close the show today with playing some some classic conversations, some classic bits, uh, and relive some of the fun that we had on this show with my good friend, Ballpark Frank, as we remember him today on his 63rd birthday. Ballpark, what's going on, my man? Yeah, you know, just uh, wolfing down some Freddies here before the show. Thanks to them uh, for some great grub once again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the tennis um, isn't starting until 2 a.m. now. So, you know, it's kind of a late start time. So try to coordinate late, all Not that late as for well. you. What are you talking about? It's prime time for you. Well, it, it can you're be in middle, You're in the middle of insomnia at that time. I, I, I just up on Mountain Dew. I, I, I do try to get some sleep. It just usually doesn't work out very well. <laughs> I think Numchuck is becoming a big fan of the Chicago dog. Now, would you argue that it's not really Chicago dog since he has a couple things off? Do you have to have everything on it? Because I know you don't mm-hmm. think I eat Chicago dog because I eat everything just completely plain. Right. It's a very good question. Good point. And I have to say it's not a Chicago dog because the Chicago dog has all the bells and whistles from the tomatoes to the sport peppers to the, the onions, uh, the mustard. I mean, that is your traditional... Chicago dog with a little bit of the celery there. But uh, as you know, I am a mustard and grilled onions guy. So I'll just say, give me the hot dog combo with grilled onions and mustard. So I think that's probably not a Chicago dog. But then again, it kind of to each his own. You know, Chicago is a city of suburbs. Yes. So maybe it's like, uh, you know. I got the Arlington Heights one. How's that? Maybe it's one of the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's one of the suburbs of Chicago. (laughs) 
Very nice. Now, for, for me, it all started at Wrigley Field with the Vienna all-beef hot dogs at Wrigley Field. And when you walk into Wrigley Field, if you go right to the right of the concession stand there, they're grilling them up. The onions are on there, and it's just like Oh, that, you can that's smell it. them, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you can smell them outside of the ballpark, but exactly. once you get in the doors, oh. then oh. it's like it just... I almost said overwhelming, but it's overwhelming in a good way. You know, think about this, too, now that I, I'm jogging my memory here. Of all the ballparks I've been to, and you could probably attest to this as well, too, that Wrigley Field is probably the only one where you go in the main gate, the main entrance, and immediately to your right, you have a, a concession stand. Most parks, you've got to go upstairs or escalators or that sort of thing. You have to kind of find them. You've got to find them. Yeah, you've got to walk a ways. But right when you come through the main gate there and Clark and Addison, boom, it's right there to the right. And then if you go a little bit down the first baseline, then you can get the actual cart that they have, the Vienna hot dogs as well, too. But again, the Vienna dog, the Chicago dog, traditional gold medalist uh, as far as hot dogs, uh, plain and simple. That's where it all started for me. That's why I'm a, I'm a big hot dog guy and a Vienna dog guy. Well, as you know, I'm not a Cubs or a White Sox fan, but I did go to tons of games right. there. But the original Comiskey Park, before they built whatever that ugly thing is that they yeah. have now and everything, but I used to like that because it was one of the only stadiums that I know of, and I haven't been to as many as you, but I've been to quite a few different mm-hmm. places around the country. It was one of the few ballparks where each concession stand had their own identity kind of like you could get like you get an italian beef at this one you could get the chicago dogs at this one you could get a pizza thing at this yes. i mean they if, as you walked around the park and especially over in, in left field in the picnic area where they had that chain link fence and you mm-hmm. could literally look right out on the field and that that was a different area of its own so it was one of the few places i knew where it wasn't like you just go to a concession stand and okay here's the concession stand they literally had different things and they were making it all up fresh like you said how the ambiance and and the smell of the food in that at Wrigley Field when you first walk in. But at Comiskey, it would change from different area to different area. And it was all like just, it, it was almost like a, a food court or something of a ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at the new park, but the the original Comiskey Park, it was like, that was one of the things about it. Because you, you also had access, you could walk around the entire ballpark. So that's strange, because they were probably one of the first. Because if you go to just about any ballpark now, that's what you get. Yeah, and like I say, I went there because I wasn't a White Sox fan, but I, I, I like I, lo- I love baseball, and I did go for the ambience there. But also, I mean, I saw Danny Ainge play shortstop. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot right. of people probably don't even remember. Right. Well, some some of the younger people might not right. even know who Danny Ainge is, yeah. but they think of him as a basketball player. I, I saw him get to play short, and you know when we talked to some of these uh, old players and that, you know, and when the Brewers would come to town, and you know, Bambi's Bombers and this, and I mean, it was like it, it was just it was fun. You know, and, and Bill Veck had a way to find to to get entertaining teams on the field mm-hmm. with his rent a player and this and that, Richie Zisk and Oscar Gamble when they were hitting back to back and that. I mean, they were fun times there. Mm-hmm. And I usually actually root against the Sox, but whatever. It was still fun. How do we go from food to that? See? Can we get back to the food part? Right. Be, because the, be, it was the food at the ballpark. Uh, right. <laughs> the, the, like I said, the picnic area was, was incredible. Right. You could sit down there. They had picnic benches and that. You could order your food, yeah. sit there, and then watch the game yeah. right through the, the chain link fence in left field. See, San Francisco has great food there where the Giants play. But I never could get used to the clam chowder at a ball game. And people would rave about it, especially they had it at Candlestick Park where it would always be freezing. You know, this park is 
is much better. It's better located, so it's not really, really cold. Are you good with sushi at the ballpark? No, I'm not good with sushi. Because they, they have that in Seattle. I know, right? They have it there, and they have it in San Francisco as well, too. It, I figure yeah. they probably have yeah. it in, Seattle, but, you in, know, in San Francisco. I've kind of, you know, the traditionalist that I am, just like you, I've kind of softened my stance on that. Because, like, okay, there's no place for that at ballparks. Okay, if people like it and take advantage of it, that's okay. It's a twist. Because I would always be that guy. I'm having a hot dog. And that's it. Maybe nachos, that sort of thing. But I've ventured off. Again, I love Philly cheesesteaks, so now I will go off with that. An occasional burger. And I really love that. Back to the Aviators game. They have got some great burgers there. I like that. But the clam chowder I've never done. The garlic fries, of course, in San Francisco is famous for that sort of thing. See, it, it, it doesn't bother me if they have anything like that at the ballpark, as long as that's not all that they have. As long right. as they still have the traditional, normal, yeah. simple stuff for... Yeah. For you know, for for Neanderthals like me, yeah. I'm fine with it. You know, right? You know, g- g- give me a give me a pretzel, give mm-hmm. me a dog or a burger or something like that. I'm good. Well, you you know? know what else I've really gotten into too over the years at ballparks is the the barbecue. You go back to Boog Powell's place over there at, at Orioles Park, and that was one of the first. And Orlando Cepeda Boog. had a place they put his name on it exactly in in San Francisco. <laughs> And uh, so when I went to Dodger Stadium, I noticed a, a, a few years back, because I think they just, re- I don't know if it was recently added it, but they, out in the pavilion in the left field there, they had this great barbecue. They the King's Hawaiian buns and uh, a little Hawaiian taste of that nature, too. And again, you know, venturing off a little bit, I go, no, this is pretty good. Because people think Dodger Stadium, oh, it's all about the Dodger dog. But again, everyone is now... You come full circle and and doing all this, and it's it's smart business. It really is because there are people that go to the park just to check out the ambience and to go for food. They do that, and and with the prices to pay for food at most major league ballparks, anyhow. I mean, you should have a choice, and it should be pretty yeah. good. I, I, and and I know a lot of these ballparks now, and I haven't seen a lot of them, and I've certainly ordered them because you know how plain I am. You know, just yeah. a, a burger plain, a hot dog plain, this that or the other. But you know, I, I know a lot of these places are like now they're famous for like oh we have this gigantic contraption of, you know, three patties and a this and a that. I mean, they're combining all these things, and they have these monstrous things. Like, Oh, it's like $36 for this thing, uh, but if you eat it all, oh, you're going to... Well, first off, you're probably going to miss a lot of the game in the restroom. But Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I've got got a few (laughs) stories about that. So this buddy of mine, again, kid in a candy store, right? So it's like a 90-degree day in Milwaukee. Okay, a little humid and everything. I was going to say, there's humidity in there There, as well. There there you go, right? Okay, our seats are behind the visitor's dugout. And about 10 rows back, sun is just baking on us on a Sunday afternoon. So me and my one buddy, we go ahead and get the tri-tip. Here comes my other guy, the kid in the candy store guy. What's he coming with? A brewer's helmet with nachos in it with sour cream... And all this other nonsense, like you're talking about in there, I don't need to tell you what happened by the third inning. Yeah, and and and, and you're he not was talking done. Like, and you're not talking like a little <laughs> mini helmet where they put a Sunday in or something. No, like no, that. the I real mean, they're, helmet. Yeah, they're they're yeah. big helmets. Yeah. So they, and the pla- they're not that, real helmets, but the size. Well, no, no, but exactly. I'm saying the right. size wise, yeah. And yeah. it's like, and you look at something like that, and you're like, is, is that for all six of us or something or whatever? And it's like. But again, and people take it as a challenge. Yes, I ordered it. Yes. I paid for it. Now I'm going to eat yes. it. It's like. No. Yeah. So we had to tell this clown, uh, do you realize that sour cream, when the sun hits, on top of nacho, not really a good thing. It becomes really sour cream. Exactly. (laughs) I've worked in some restaurants and and kitchen lines and that. I've worked in some really nice places, and I've worked in a couple that you just, you know, you 
you, you throw it up and you you, you know you, you throw it in the window and for people to take it out. But like one thing, when I worked in casinos in that years ago as a cook, I never ate in Helps Hall. I always made my own stuff because I'm not eating that stuff. You know, it was a just on the other. Not that it was bad, bad, but it wasn't as good. Yeah. Again. So you're telling me there's a chance? Absolutely. Major League Baseball fans who drink the most. So there is a a ranking or a rating of all the major league teams slash parks. Who has the I guess the booziest fans? The biggest beer sales, the biggest and, and liquor sales. Well, probably. yeah, I guess. And these are average drinks per game per individual. Okay, so it goes okay. by how many people are in the seats and that kind of I, stuff. I, so. I guess so. So it says, well, which makes sense because some stadiums like Wrigley Field doesn't seat as many, but I'm sure that Cubs fans probably drink a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So you got average drinks per game and average spent on alcohol. Care to take a guess who is at the top of the list? Well, I know they pride themselves in in Milwaukee and Wisconsin of drinking a lot, so you would think, right? The Milwaukee Brewers check in at number nine. Number one, my friend, is your ballpark that you referenced at the beginning of this segment. Comiskey? Yep. Chicago White Sox. There it is. I mean, it makes sense. Those drunk bastards. 4.2 drinks per game. Average alcohol spent per person, $46. Well, you're probably having a drink or two just to congratulate yourself on making it into that ballpark in that <laughs> neighborhood safely. <laughs> ballpark Frank, talking about the ballpark food. Uh, great stuff. Great conversations. Uh, Terrible Tuesday was always a favorite segment of ours as well, too. And this goes down as probably the most funny. All right, well, you want to talk about sad? You know, it's illegal to have fighting roosters. You know that, right? Fighting roosters. Are we talking cockfights? Cockfights, yes. I love are. a good cockfight. Okay, well. A lot of people like a good cock. Whatever. I'm not touching that either. And I mean literally, you already, I'm not touching you that. You already went to the G spot. I'm talking about I'm talking about South Carolina. I'll, I'll, I'll touch one. I'm not touching They're the other. They're the fighting Gamecocks. What are you talking yes, about? They are the Gamecocks. Yeah, you don't want to touch any cocks. I understand that. All right. Fighting well, or non? You know. Fighting or flaccid? Cockfighting is also illegal in India, however, it still goes on just like it does in other places in the world. Well, at an illegal cockfight in India, 45-year-old Tangula Satish was putting razor blades on his fighting cock to get ready for a match. Now, they frequently put razor blades on the talons and the feet of the roosters because it causes blood and it makes the fights go quicker in that and. The crowd usually likes a bloodier fight because it's more entertaining Wait, can to I, them. Can I ask you something? I always was, was under the impression that the cockfights automatically had razor blades. I mean, I believe that each cock always has a razor blade. That's part of it, right? Right, but but they have to put them on them. Right, but but that's why they do it to to. But make I thought you were saying blood. that some of them. You know, there there are cockfights without razor blades. I don't. I have not been to every cockfight, so I don't know. In fact, I've been to zero of them. But from what I understand, in this particular situation, they were putting it on. Would you like to go to Tijuana this weekend? I would really rather not. Okay. I don't need to see cockfights or the donkey show any of the above. Thank you very much. But um, okay. But anyhow, is then maybe Gula jump over the wall? Was putting the three-inch razor blade yeah. on the talon of his rooster or fighting cock. Something spooked the rooster, and it started jumping around, and it slashed him. Oh, no. This is going bad. In the groin area. Oh, no. Stop. 
It not only slashed him in the groin, but it severed a feral artery. Paramedics were called. They rushed him to the hospital. Mr. Satish did not make it to the hospital. He died en route to the hospital. And now authorities in India are investigating this entire ring, and everybody that was there could be brought up on criminal charges. But the guy who uh, was trying to make a couple extra little... I don't know what they have over there. Dinero, Euros, whatever they have in India. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's uh, he is no longer with us. And he's cockless. And he, he got cut in the groin. I don't know if that's appropriate or if it's not. So wow. I don't even know if Stitch Duran could have helped wow. in his corner. Ballpark <laughs> <laughs> Frank, talking about the cockfight. We also had a great love for music, as you know. We had those discussions. Here's what about Ballpark Frank's album collection. Interesting for me to go through your album collection and see how many things we would have had in common. I would probably say 10%. So you got to remember, I was a rock guy. I was a pop guy. Then, of course, I was a big R&B funk guy. And a lot of the stuff that I held on to were a lot of the, not only my albums that, that, that I bought when I was younger, but as a DJ, I belonged to a, a DJ club where... You know, you would pay a monthly fee, and they would send you the records for you to play at the nightclubs and all that yeah, sort of okay, thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. So the, most yeah, of like were promo inches. copies and that sort exactly. of stuff. Exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah, like so the radio station, not for resale on that. It would exactly. be right on the thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so I would get those a lot before they re- would release them. And so at that point in time, I'd say, okay, I think this is going to be a hit, or I think I could play this in a club and that sort of thing. So you basically yeah. did Raider Record for yourself before it was on an American Correct. Bandstand. Correct. Very nice. Very nicely done. <laughs> now, I can tell you. That how many records that I have threw away that I discarded that I thought okay this is garbage this is no good did you have right said Fred I'm too sexy did you throw that away <laughs> I, I, I I kept that I think uh, for a while you know what I'm saying that because, song was garbage and yet it but but it, it it was so corny that it caught on yeah right but there are a lot of ones like that so when you brought up madness last week madness is one of those ones so I would incorporate the madness as part of my ten percent that you would like and of course I had the Elton Johns I had the Beatles I had the Rolling Stones you know I had I had a lot, you know, Leonard Skinner, yeah. the Zeppelins, you know, I had all that. So that's where I'm thinking the 10%. Okay. But then again, you know, I, I, I had the Parliament, the Funkadelics, and, you know, the Brass Construction, you the BT some Motown stuff? Lo- Tons of Motown Cause, cause, stuff. Because I'm a big Motown guy. So now we're up to maybe 15 to 20%. I'm a big Motown. Love yeah. Motown. See, there you go. So, and like I said, you like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the yeah. Commodores. Yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily have their album that, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I had a friend who had a jukebox, and I, I used to buy some of the 45s that would bring in, you know, like, you know, Tears of a Clown, Smokey and the Miracles. I mean, yeah, we, uh, I, I, I helped him, uh, you know, get a nice eclectic mix in there. One of the first records that I ever got is one I think that, that you would definitely be part of your 20%. And that was uh, Dr. John. Here we go. Look at this. Remember this one? Right place, wrong time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's going to be you a little bit, right? I mean, it, it wasn't right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I had this particular record. You didn't have that I mean, one? I would yeah. hear when I would listen on the radio. I, you know, yeah. sometimes I'd listen, sometimes I would. It's I'm, funny because Doctor people... John, Doctor Hook. There was a lot of doctors back then. There was exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with Doctor Johnny Fever. Yeah, <laughs> this was the jam. This is it. Not even a jam. I mean, this was like this was a bona fide rock song, and it crossed over into pop. And it wasn't even until later years that. I realized that this is, you know, that Dr. John was really blues. 
And he was in Blues Brothers 2000, by the way. Well, and the interesting thing about music back then was a lot of it did mix over, and it was, yes. you know, I mean, you'd hear something on the R&B station and the funk yep. station and then the rock station mm-hmm. and the, you know, then the light hits or whatever they called it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that crossed over an awful lot. When people didn't look at color or just try to pigeonhole everything and put it in a box and say, this is what this is, right? Pump up Dr. Sean one time right here. Yeah. Look at Nunchuck's got a little groove going, too. One day, we just got to do an all-music show. We're going to do two hours. You'd be down for that. We should do a one-day, a two-hour, and we will mix our favorites and our genres together. That sounds cool. You'd be down for and that, instead right? Instead of being Dougie Doo-Wop, we can be uh, TCM Ballpark Do-Right. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And we should do that before we get into the football season. I'm saying we do that one day in August. Are we down for that? Which we did at the end of August. We did that. And, uh, of course, Ballpark Frank had some great songs. And one was kind of a shocker. And he introed this. And who picked this song? That would be me. Whoa! I actually am a TLC fan. Not all their stuff, but the first time I heard this song, I thought, this is incredible. I love the video. And I got to admit, she's just the right kind of crazy for me. Left Eye was awesome. Here's Waterfalls by TLC. Yes, Ballpark Frank loving TLC Waterfalls. Uh, That was great. And all of it great. And we remember our good friend, Ballpark Frank Harnish, on his birthday today. I know you're looking down, Ballpark. We're thinking about you, not just me, not just Numchuck, Marky Mark, everybody, but all your friends and colleagues that are still here. Happy birthday. We salute you. We miss you. You will always be in our hearts. Happy birthday, Ballpark Frank. And here's Ballpark Frank taking us out on this Monday, and we reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Have yourself a great rest of your Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. The articles, photographs, all at tcmartinshow.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.